Welcome to Rooting For You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non-experts. I'm Tess and I know nothing. And I'm Elise and I know some things. Each week we'll chat about one gardening topic and then discuss the effort reward payoff by asking, is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. So today's episode is slightly inspired following our carrots episode. Now, if you don't want a spoiler for where, if you haven't listened and you don't want a spoiler for where carrots ended up on the squeezy juice matrix, skip ahead a little bit now because I'm going to spoil it. I mean, I think I've spoiled it in multiple episodes since we did the carrots episode, but carrots were a wooden spoon. We decided the juice probably wasn't worth the squeeze for me, but Now I'm stuck in this position where I have some free space in a slightly less sunny spot. So today we're going to be talking about edibles for less sunny spots. Elise, tell me you've got some options for me here. I have some wonderful options for you, but I think before we get into the options, what we actually need to assess, and I don't even know the answer for this test, is this spot in your garden we've been talking about actually how shady is it so i'm going to run through kind of the options for people and then i want you to think about the patch as well so we've got full sun and this is considered six plus hours of solid bright light okay this is like the scorching sun for six plus hours full sun this is obviously not what we're talking about today but for future episodes that's the definition The next group we've got is the part shade. And this is three to six hours of bright light, direct sun. So it's nowhere, you know, it's not as big as the full shade, the full sun, sorry, but it's still like a decent whack of sun in a day. And it would be this category I'd actually put the carrots in that we were talking about the other week. They don't need full sun, but they do need that part sun three to six hours. The last category is, or the second last category is shade, and this is less than three hours, but not down to zero, okay? All edible crops need some sunlight. That Maybe that's an overgeneralized statement, but I honestly can't think of anything edible, maybe other than a mushroom, but that doesn't count, that really needs absolutely no sunlight. So kind of a bit more than zero to three is a shade. And then we've got the hardcore shade, and this is literally no sunlight at all. That fourth category, we're not going to grow anything edible. So we're going to leave that out of the discussion. But in the full sun, the part sun and the shade, we've got quite a few options. This will sound like a dopey question, but when we're talking about sunlight, we're talking about sun physically hitting the spot on the ground, not just a generally sunny spot or like, you know, a bright light spot. Yeah, you're right. It's like literally hitting the ground there. And on a cloudy day, you're not going to be able to fully assess your sun situation. Mm. But on a really clear, bright, sunny day, that's the time to kind of give it an assessment of, okay, what is literally being touched by the sun's rays here? And the complicating factor to this is, is throughout the year, this is actually going to change significantly because as the sun Mm. is in a different position in the sky, what might be full sun in summer 
may not be full sun in winter or what might be part shade in summer where you're growing your carrots come winter that might be the real shade so it does you have to I mean I would look at it obviously once you've looked at it once and really thought about it you're gonna have a pretty good idea but you do need to appreciate that it will change throughout the year and as the days get longer and shorter but at the moment in midsummer, it's actually the longest days of the year so if you're looking at your patch and a bed gets exactly six hours today of full sun I probably wouldn't be walking around saying that's a full sun bed because if it's getting six hours at the absolute longest part of the year then you know come a month or two it might be falling into five hours and sitting in the part shade camp the other complicating factor is often our gardens aren't perfectly set up that we can monitor things like exact sunlight for exactly six hours like you have a gum tree in your garden test and there'll be some of those leaves that will kind of dapple the sun so it might reduce the sun by 25 percent but it's still full it's still getting a decent whack of sun but it's not the you know uninterrupted bright solid so you've kind of got to do a little bit of mass around the sides here and say okay well it's getting eight hours direct sun but it's dappled through the gum tree maybe that's the you know the equivalent of six full hours of sun okay everyone get your calculators out thing is there's no better way to ruin your chances of success in the garden than planting something in the shade that needs sun it will never work for you (laughs) so it is worth thinking about the old sun situation so Mm. with your no longer at carrot patch what what kind of (laughs) sun situation do you think you've got going on i would say it is a part shade area so maybe the three hours what i'm wondering is whether it's a factor or not it's all morning sun Mm. so is that relevant to the calculations yeah it's a really good point actually because afternoon sun is always harsher than morning sun so plants that can handle a lot of sun in the morning may not be able to handle that same amount of sun in the afternoon so you're totally right there is kind of a bit of a a little bit of fuzzing around the lines depending on what sun that is so I would say if you're getting a good crack of morning sun and you're getting some good afternoon shade there's a lot of good crops you can kind of grow in that area because if it's the other way around and you get morning shade and then really brutal afternoon sun that can be a bit hard because you're getting the sun, but maybe not enough of it, but then you're getting that like harsh sun that some crops, you know, particularly soft herbs, leaves, that kind of thing actually don't like. So I'd say you are perfectly positioned for some good crops in this morning sun, afternoon shade situation, but you got to pick them carefully. And that's, that's what I'm here for. I think that we've got a couple of relatively clear days coming up in the weather this week, in the weather forecast. I think I'm going to do a garden audit. I think so. (laughs) Go out in the morning, see what's sunny, and then check it throughout the day. (laughs) I think the best way to do it is, and I literally have, and you know, like I've said to our friend Claire before, I'm like, I want you out there first thing in the morning, midday, afternoon, and I want you to take photos. So take a photo of your whole garden. Yeah, and then you can actually quite easily map out, okay, I've got a photo at 8 a.m., the tomatoes are in the shade, come 10am they're in the sun, come 12 noon this is in the sun, blah, blah. That's 
absolutely the best way to do it. So if you took like a photo every two hours on a clear day, you would have the best answer. You need to think really carefully about what you can grow where. And all of us, including me, like you kind of make an assumption about a garden bed or an area, but then when you actually document it, you might find it's quite different. Like it wouldn't surprise me if people are underestimating how much sun a spot is getting or conversely overestimating how much sun a spot is getting. That's a fabulous tip. I love that. I love data though. (laughs) Tess is now going to make an Excel spreadsheet of her findings. (laughs) Take 20% off for gum leaf fuzziness. (laughs) Exactly. The old dappled light percentage. But is it 20% Tess? How are we going to do some some tests here to work out exactly how much it's reducing? (laughs) Now, the, the thing about your morning sun, afternoon shade situation that is actually quite nice as a gardener is this this replicates kind of a, a cooler season garden, so potentially a spring or a winter garden. So we can use this to our advantage because then we can grow crops that usually like a cooler season or we usually grow in the cooler weather. So like coriander and parsley that we talked about in the herbs episode, Mm. your spot in the garden kind of replicates that cooler garden. So we can extend the harvest of those crops. We can ensure that they're not going to bolt or at least they're going to give us a lot more produce before they bolt. So in a way, this is actually an ideal environment for a certain crop. I will say in winter, it's a lot harder to utilize these really shady spots because in summer, even when something's really shady, it's still got the warmth and kind of it's still a nice atmosphere. Whereas come winter, if you've got hardcore shade in winter, I think you're going to be pushing shit uphill, excuse the term, to get something Mm. edible. But in summer, these spots are actually really handy in the garden. And so what if you had the opposite of a part patch that was very sunny in the afternoon? I think then you could go for something that was more a sun-loving crop. So something like a carrot will happily handle full sun if it was given it. So you would go or a beetroot or something like that you'd probably put in the afternoon strong sun situation. Something like Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about like a lettuce, you absolutely wouldn't. So I suppose really we've got this middle category and you've made such a good point here that is part shade or part sun, but actually there's almost two categories Within that, Mm. you know. So, you know, you kind of, as you garden, you get to learn these things by experience a bit. I mean, I think a good rule of thumb here, if it's it's part shade, part sun, but it's afternoon sun, a root crop or a fruiting crop, maybe a bean could be a good option. If it's morning sun and afternoon shade, probably a leaf crop is going to be your best pick there. Brilliant. That's a very clear guideline for just starting to give it a crack probably just answers the rest of the episode like it just sums it up (laughs) oh well let's 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 talk about some inspiration anyway (laughs) let's okay so this collection of crops that I want to talk about I really want to stress these are for your absolute super shadiest positions that can still grow food so in that part sun kind of discussion there are a lot more crops that we could put in this I'm really talking about sun that's kind of on the lower end of the three hours three to one kind of hour. So when you were talking about the categories at the beginning, are we in the mushroom category or the one level (laughs) above above. the mushroom category? (laughs) One level above the mushroom category. A lot of these things will actually grow quite well in the part shade, the three to six hours area as well. But I just want to stress that if you're in that lower category, this is the collection for you. 
if you're moving into the middle category, we've got some other options for you. As mm-hmm. far as this podcast is concerned, we can just pretend the mushroom category doesn't exist because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> So for our super shady spots in summer, I'm not necessarily going to say this list works as well for super shady spots in winter. We've got Rocket. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know how much I love it too. So Rocket <laughs> happily grows in the cooler weather, right? We've seen this. We've talked about it all the way through winter, spring, autumn. But what can happen as soon as it heats up, and this is exactly what happened to you, Tess, is it bolts. So it's gone to mm. flower. You've got a little Rocket left. By planting it in a shadier position, we're actually slowing that process down, slowing that bolting process down. So you'll get a lot more rocket for a lot longer. So that is an excellent one for the shade. And it can handle a very large amount of shade. Like I'm talking literally one hour a day can probably do the rocket. So if there's some odd patch you've got and not much is growing in it, I would suggest rocket. If you can't grow that there, we've got a real problem. If your rocket we have, a, we have a sunny spell or hot spell and it bolts during the season. Can you pull it out, put some more seeds in? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of crops that you actually don't want to plant in the same place over and over again. That needs another episode in and of itself. <laughs> uh, you know, tomatoes, potatoes, particularly you must rotate. Something like rocket, you can give it a couple of cracks in the same spot. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's really targeted at crops that have a lot of uh, soil-borne like root diseases, funguses, that kind of thing. Rocket, it's not one of those crops. So yeah, you can absolutely give it another go. The other thing you can do when something bolts, say it's you've had your first super hot day and you can see that the plant is making the flowers, you can get your scissors or just your hands and like pinch off the top flower bits and that will actually mm-hmm. kind of say to the plant, chill your beans for a bit and then it might, okay. once it's decided it's going to do it, it is on a mission. So you're never going to be able to stall it entirely, but you might get a couple of extra weeks out of it just by slowing Mm -hmm. the process. That's a really good tip for coriander and parsley as well. If you've Mm -hmm. got like a flowering bush at this point and it's, you know, your coriander's a metre and a half tall, you pass the point of no return. Don't worry about cutting that off. (laughs) But if you get onto it earlier when it's just a little flower, it can make a difference. Okay, so we've got rocket. What else? Similarly to the rocket, I really love mustard greens in the Mm. shady spots. Now, we haven't talked about mustard greens a lot, but they're pretty much a type. They're not a type of rocket, but they're very similar to rocket. You grow them the same way, but they're kind of like rocket with with a smattering of mustard on the top. It's got that same pepperiness as rocket, but then usually kind of got like an extra kick and there's different flavors. There's like a wasabi mustard green that tastes like wasabi and, you know, all manner of varieties that taste different. These you just use fresh in salads like you would rocket. You can also add them to stir fries like spinach. They grow really well wherever rocket grows. So rocket would be kind of the common garden option. If people wanted to get a bit more creative, I would go the mustard greens. Beautiful. Next up, we've got the herbs. Not all herbs, but some herbs will do very well in that part shade area. These are parsley, mint, tarragon, dill, coriander, and Vietnamese mint. These can handle heaps of shade, which is really handy because they kind of, and especially some of them like tarragon and Vietnamese mint, these are perennials put in the ground, stay all year round. 
So if you've got some shady spot that you're constantly struggling to grow something edible, put some Vietnamese mint in Mm. there and then just call it a day. And then you don't have to deal with it through winter or anything like that. Remember in the herbs episode, we actually talked about, you know, parsley and coriander can be grown all year round, but they're actually better and easier to grow in the cooler months. Well, again, coming back Mm. to my earlier point, by putting them in the shade, we're kind of replicating that cooler environment and we're going to get a much better crop of those two plants in particular than what we would if we planted them in a part part shade, part sun, full sun situation. A full sun situation, they would bolt in like a week. (laughs) If it's really shady and even something like parsley can't get legs, mint is probably the closest thing you're going to get to a full shade loving plant. So if all else fails, mint will usually do well. It's not, I'm not saying it'll thrive like your Vietnamese mint and your mint, these kind of things. Like it's, you're not going to get as much of a harvest and the plant's not going to be as vigorous if it had a bit more sun. That's the truth of it. But if, you know, how much Vietnamese mint do you really go through? Like, do you need it to be a massive plant? Probably Mm. not. So I think the herbs kind of fit well in that kind of happy for a smaller harvest let them do their thing in the shady corner fabulous anything else on your list yes my favorite for the shady spots other than the herbs is the silver beet or swiss chard this is actually the same plant it's just got two different names it does really well in the shady position the shady position will also mean it is also less likely to bolt which is brilliant. Not that silver beet bolts at the same rate that other things we've talked about, but eventually it will. So this does really well. And the great thing about silver beet is it's a biannual. So we've mentioned these a couple of times, like the parsley that you brought up a few episodes ago, Tess. They, the silver beet will happily live for up to two years. So it's not like a perennial. It's not staying in the ground all year round forevermore, but it's going to have a longer harvest than something like an annual that's going to go hard and fast and be out of the ground six months later. So if you've got a shady spot, whack some silver bead in in summer, right? And then that's going to give it a good dose of warmth to grow to a decent silver beet plant. Then come winter, when it's getting even more shade, it'll just happily sit there and you can harvest it during this time But, you know, it's kind of no problem. And then come the next summer again, when it heats up, it'll grow some more. And then you've kind of got the crop through winter again. And then probably at that point, you're going to lose it come the following spring. So to be able to take advantage of the the shady spot in summer when it's warm to then give you a crop to continually harvest throughout winter is quite appealing. Have you ever grown silver beet or Swiss chard, Tess? I haven't, mostly because I don't really know how to eat it. Yeah, I get that. I feel like if I I eat quite a lot of it because I grow quite a lot of it, but if I didn't grow anything and I had to buy it, I would not be like down at the market buying my silver beet every week, frankly. Is it a subsidy, like the kind of just the way that you would eat kale? Yeah, exactly. Kale or okay. spinach. Also, when you buy silver beet, I find it's quite fibrous and tough. So you think of it like how, like it needs a really good cook. I actually find when I grow it and I grow a lot of it, like the leaves are really tender and soft. They're almost like a spinach leaf more than like a big fibrous kale leaf. So I think that makes it a lot easier to kind of integrate into the cooking when you don't really have to cook it hugely, like just a kind of a 
a light steam or a light saute is all it needs. So I find it's easier okay. to use the homegrown version. Yeah. I don't know if it's that they let the leaves get too big or whether it's because it's been sitting there mm. after harvest. I don't know, but that's constantly my experience of the homegrown. So I would often eat spinach uncooked, but I wouldn't really eat kale uncooked because it's just not really my preference. So would you say it kind of leans more towards kale in that like a little bit of a saute or a steam will do wonders for it? Yeah, I still don't eat it raw. So, and I don't eat cow raw either, really. So you're right, it kind of still leans in the kale family more than the spinach family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you don't eat heaps of it, like two plants of it tucked in the garden, they're actually very pretty plants and you can get some great varieties like yellow, orange, pink, red. Ooh. You know, you, I actually think they're very beautiful. So you could sneak a couple in and that's going to be like a little bit of a little bit of greens for your week. And like I said, you're going to plant them once and you're going to have them in the garden for two years. So don't want to give the silver beet episode away if we, if we, if and when we do one in the future, but I'm going to say it's best on ground. (laughs) What else is on your list? Lettuces. Lettuce hate, is lettuces even a word? I don't think so. I think it's lettuce is already the plural. Anyway, lettuce is a great Uh, garden option that you can grow year round. I love growing lettuce, but it really doesn't like a lot of heat. And to grow it in full sun in summer is just too hot. So again, the shade works wonders for the lettuce. In winter, you cannot grow lettuce in shade, or I don't think you can grow lettuce in shade. But in summer, this works really well. The trick I would say though, is grow, if you've got quite a bit of shade, grow a loose leaf variety of lettuce, not a heading variety of lettuce. So a loose leaf, you know, when you get like a salad mix from the market or whatever, and it's got kind of like what's called the loose leaves, Mm. they'll be from loose leaf varieties of lettuce, heading varieties of lettuce, that's your iceberg and your cos, and they form that like tight heart. Those types of lettuces you harvest the whole thing at once and you would kind of buy the entire lettuce, not just the leaves. Those heading varieties need about five plus hours of sun. So the loose the loose leaves can be, yeah, a bit fast and loose with exactly how much sun they're getting. So for summer, I stick with the loose leaves and then in the spring and autumn, I'll go for the heading varieties. And the loose leaves are the cut and come again ones that we spoke about in the latest yeah, episode. Exactly, exactly. So even aside from the shade issue, I much prefer the loose leaves because of the come, cut and come again factor. Whereas, yeah, like an iceberg, you're harvesting the entire iceberg when you're, when you're done. And again, if you've got no idea what we're talking about, head back to our, was it, did we call it lettuce or do we call it salad greens? Can't remember. We called it salad it greens, a, I think. Head back to that episode, check it out, and we will explain what all of this means. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, look, lettuce in summer, take advantage of that shade, take advantage of that cooler area and get some nice tender lettuces in. The last crop that I think does well in the shade, although I will give it a little caveat that you won't get as good of a harvest off it, but is an alpine strawberry. Do you have any idea what Ah, that is? I imagine it's a strawberry that grows in an alpine area. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty spot on. So an alpine strawberry, I'm pretty sure they're actually native to Australia. They're a strawberry plant, but they're quite different to the kind of strawberries that we know and love that are big. These are quite small. They're like the size of a jelly bean. 
So that's mm. not the greatest harvest. Like you're not like I'm making a whole fruit bowl of these jelly bean sized strawberries. But at the same time, the plants are so hardy and so weedy and they just continue to like grow and spread that I literally pay no attention. I, in fact, I pull alpine strawberries out of my garden because they just keep multiplying and they're like taking over. <laughs> so unlike my other strawberries, you know, that I very lovingly tend to in pots and keep them all happy, the alpine strawberries are just wild. So, you know, the harvest isn't as good, but the effort you put in is zero. So I think to get a harvest of strawberries off zero effort is uh, definitely worth the while. They are like a ground cover type plant. And they are quite happy in a lot of shade. So they're a good one to plant too. And they are a perennial stay in the ground all year round forevermore. Ah. So once they're in, that kind of takes care of your shady spot forever. Mm. This is quite the list. What else have you got for us? That is the list. (laughs) (laughs) That's my top picks. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably a heap heap more. I reckon. It's good just to have some, just some suggestions, some inspiration. Yeah, definitely. Is any of that kind of talking to you for your spot or are you still thinking you've got a bit more sun that you've got more things on the table? No, I'm really liking getting some more lettuce and rocket in coriander. I don't have already, so I might put that in. I also don't have flat leaf parsley. I know that flat leaf and curly can be used interchangeably, but it might be fun to put in a, a little relatively shady spot so Mm -hmm. I've got lots of stuff to go on and it's things that I have half open seed packets of that I was successfully doing during the cooler months from the direct sow method so I could get cracking on that straight away yeah I think you should and the thing with seeds in summer is like because you've You've grown from seed quite a bit now, but usually in the cooler months, like once you start doing it in summer, like it happens so fast. It's like literally Mm. a couple of days you can start seeing them come out. So in some ways it's almost easier growing from seed in the warmer months, although I will say that you cannot, cannot, cannot let seeds dry out. And obviously you're more likely, that's more likely to happen in summer. But providing you get the moisture right, it's a really easy task. And I know these are things that you use in the kitchen often, so it absolutely makes sense to get them in the garden. Yeah, and that's the great thing about the list that you just put together. They're all commonly used kitchen stuff, apart from the alpine strawberries. They're fun. (laughs) They're fun. They're different. (laughs) Uh, I really like flat leaf parsley. I pretty much only grow that as opposed to the curly leaf. So, yeah, I'd highly recommend getting some of that in. So I don't reckon we need a squeezy juice for this. Like we are all about – I mean, this whole episode is about the quick wins and the fill-ins for the shady spots, and we've given us – so many suggestions. If there isn't something in this list that tickles your fancy, let us know on Instagram and, uh, you know, we'll find some more suggestions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And tell us, you know, if you've got more, like if you've got a crop that you grow in a shady spot that does really mm, well that we haven't included, please. please tell us so we can share it with everyone else. So really in summer, I'm going to say there is no excuse for any patch of your veggie garden to not have something edible or something beautiful, or something good for pollinators growing. Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess, artwork by Lauren Janine. You can find us on Instagram at rootingforyoupod or email rootingforyou at elisealexandra.com. And remember, we are rooting for you.